Hey everybody, welcome to Reboot Leggers. This is a comedy-ish podcast where we reboot things that no one ever wanted to get rebooted. I'm Scott Owen. I'm Frank Sarah. Joining us once again is friend of the show, Brock Wilbur. Hello, Brock. Uh oh's <laughs> I at what point how many how many appearances does it take before you get upgraded to like occasional co-host? Did we get that in your in your contract? Occasional pal. That's always what I've been shooting for. <laughs> occasional rebootlegger is the title I have sought for so long. <laughs> Since the beginning of the show, Brock has been listening and silently waiting for the moment that we would call him up, only sometimes, because he's a he's very busy. Uh, so, Brock, you're calling me up from the big leagues to the to the the slightly less bigger leagues. <laughs> Did I say from the big leagues? I mean, <laughs> even though those those words that I said were accidental, it's pretty accurate <laughs> as you reside in a league much larger than this one. Oh, I'm just thrilled to be here. I love this show so much, and it's always so much fun. <laughs> that's so that's so good to hear. I don't know if you saw this, but when I tweeted at you about the the movie you made me watch, someone else replied to it, and I saw that he hosts a podcast that does literally the same thing that this one does. Sorry, what was it? it what what is that podcast? It's called uh, Prequel Sequel Remake, and I went and looked at it. Oh, and yeah. it's, it's specifically about like making prequels and sequels and reboots that no one wants. I, I will tell you that that one is a solid hour and a half longer than your podcast. Okay, so we uh, do Because everyone have on the show really scripts something out. Uh, wow. Because I did, I did one for them for Tank Girl, and I think I did the the sequel, uh, but everyone else, I, I thought that just the guest had to like script out like five pages of stuff. No, <laughs> everyone that hosts on that show also does so along with the guest. It's the most homework I've ever had for a podcast, wow. and it's a very long podcast. That then. sounds awesome. So, so if you're real into like what potential takes could come from the film Tank Girl, then yes, there's two hours of content for you on that. So it's a uh, I really enjoy that about it. I love a show. Yeah, that sounds that has cool. a lot of homework. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad to know that there is that those do serve different mm-hmm. markets, so that we don't have to fight. We're them the and intro lose level. Point. Yeah, we're we are the first taste, and then we send them onto the harder stuff at prequel, sequel, remake. It truly is like a graduate level thesis thing, and you guys are like, "What if we watch the movie?" Which is <laughs> enough for this one. There should they should they should never do an episode about this. We should barely be doing an episode about what we're about to do, and we yeah. shouldn't be recording it today. There's a lot of things on the table here. <laughs> yeah, so, um, audience, we're going to be rebooting the movie Postal, which from the Wikipedia article, the poster featured quotes it as a live-action South Park, which I don't think there are four words that make me want to watch a movie less, if we're being honest. And I watched this movie two days ago uh, in prep for this. And I don't know that I can ever forgive Brock for making this happen to me because it's just, it's just, just, Brock, do you want to, do you want to take us through? Yeah. yeah. What is this? (laughs) For Frank's sake. So the reason that this has been selected is that uh, I have a book coming out uh, via Boss Fight Books and Boss Fight Books uh, does these little books and each book is about a hundred pages. A different author takes on a different video game. Uh, and I'd pitched a couple that were that were interesting and fun, but then my writing hero Nathan Rabin was like, "Hey, I'd like to write about the movie Postal, which Ooh. is based on a video game called Postal." And yep. he's like, "I don't like 
I've ne- I don't play video games. And so the boss fight people are like, what if you guys split this book? Brock, you write about the game and Nathan, you write about the movie. And I was like, a chance to work with the best man from my wedding and my writing hero. Yes, please. And then uh, I became immersed in the game, which is uh, fucking nonsense. It is, uh, nonsense. It is a game uh, from the the mid mid 90s, 97, uh, in which you play ostensibly a person who uh, has a breakdown or it, it is difficult to parse the narrative of the game itself because there are interludes and there are also like voices from your bipolar head, but there's also like stuff written in the instruction manual. None of these things agree with each other. Hmm. Uh, but basically the, the thrust of it is that one day you're a guy that wakes up in your like remote cabin outside of a town and all the police and all your neighbors and everyone are incredibly well armed and they all want to murder you. So you oh, have to murder goodness. all of them and you go on a giant murder rampage uh, through a city, uh, through these towns uh, that eventually leads in you um, shooting up a grade school, which is the final moments of the video game. And uh, it is the first time in the game that control of the player is taken away from you. So really, there's nothing you can do. You you just have to murder a bunch of kids and you oh. don't really have a choice in the matter. And this was uh, this came out like months 97. before Columbine yeah. happened. Ninety-seven. Uh, so. The guys behind it, uh, who also consider themselves very much in, like, the South Park vein of things, uh, have spent the last two decades, basically, whenever there's a school shooting, they have sort of a a career in being able to, like, go on CNN to talk about how video games aren't the problem. But in some ways, video games can be the problem. Yeah, Uh, sometimes uh, they could be. They they had this game, and the Postal 1 is incredibly bleak and, like, dark and fucked up, and, like, I don't... I rarely see the point of it, and I've written a book yeah. on it now, so that's hard. <laughs> uh, but they did a game that was a follow-up uh, called Postal 2. Uh, and in Postal 2, there's dialogue and things added in finally. And it's a first-person shooter set in sort of an open world. And you are a guy who lives with your real bitch of a wife. Yeah, she's uh, credited as the bitch, just really getting into that commentary. Yeah, uh, and, and basically... it. And, and these parts of it kind of work for me. Uh, they are, there's, there are elements of it that are genuinely funny. Like, it's a lot of, like, uh, you have sort of a week uh, that, that the, the missions are divided into by day. Uh, and so your missions on the day one are just to go get, like, milk from the store. And in the process of trying yeah. to just buy milk, not steal it or whatever, in the process of just trying to buy a gallon of milk... Uh, like fights break out and everyone's got guns and you have to murder so many people just to get your milk and get home. And like one day you're just trying to return a book to the library, but like all these feminazis come and burn the library down. Like it, it, oh, the, the feminazi thing aside, like there's a lot of this that's like, it's about like the bureaucracy of, and, and our cultural norms of like standing in line and how few people want to do it and how everyone's kind of a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And so, this guy murdering all these people, it doesn't fall onto him. It's 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 more like society forced him into it, and he is doing what is a, a, very much borrowing from the movie Falling Down uh, with Michael Douglas. It's just like, okay, at some point, everyone has a breaking point, and they're not wrong. They're probably right. And by the end, you'll be like, well, they're fucking monsters, and they have to die, but like... 
you know, they wanted their McDonald's breakfast sandwich and it's 1031 and McDonald's won't give them the breakfast sandwich. So, yeah, right. you go on a killing spree, uh, which is a very like 90s white guy thing of like, you know, society has turned against me. And and it, it is what has made working on this book so hard uh, is that like I keep thinking I'm done. Uh, and then uh, in the news. New fucking fragile white guy bullshit pops up with yeah. new gun shootings, new and, and new and 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 the weird part of it is that so much of it is recycling stuff from the '90s, like Jack Thompson, famous video game anti-video game that lawyer, guy's still around. who is somebody he's still around. Uh, like he was invited to the White House back in the '90s to talk about whether or not video games were the source of violence Son instead of, of guns. And last year, under the Trump administration, after after the the shooting in the in the school uh, down in Florida, uh, they called in like him and all of the same people from like the mid '90s meeting to come to the White House to explain how video games uh, were actually the cause of this and not guns. And you're like, you're you're just doing you're doing reruns now from 20 years yeah. ago from when I'm writing this book about, uh, and it's goddamn brutal. Cause I keep having to go back and be like, I have to amend this chapter. And I have to talk about this thing. <laughs> anyway, this all builds towards the fact, uh, that in 2007, Yuva Bull, the German f- film director, uh, now American, I suppose, uh, got the rights and made a movie that was an adaptation mostly of Postal 2, but mm-hmm. like it's it's hard to draw the line. It's called Postal. And if you don't know UV Bull, UV Bull basically existed for years as the the real life incarnation of the film The Producers. Based under German <laughs> production law, the more a film lost money, the more the government would reimburse it. So him and his investors got rich. And what what made them what made UV Bull important to like guys of my age who came up on something awful or whatever was that rather than just make bad fucking movies, of which he made a number, uh, he was going out of his way to buy up um, intellectual property rights to, like, lesser video games. Yeah. uh, Like House of the Dead and stuff, and Alone in the Dark. And so he was just making these these perhaps deliberately fucking terrible movie adaptations of games. So gamers were like, ah, no, yeah. <laughs> not my thing. Not, not my, not my beloved, like C list level property. Not blood uh, rain. S- no, anything but blood rain. <laughs> and at a certain point he was making so much money that he was making films with a lot of like giant names in them. Uh, which brings us to postal in 2007, uh, so he's he's adapting this, and the weird part is that it is maybe the best UV Bull film because ninety uh, percent of Bull's films are about like a guy who like snaps one day and then he has yeah. to shoot everybody, uh, and and he has just he has entire series of of films based on IPs just about that. So this being that same sort of thing, it also in buying the postal thing, he had to think like I'm. I've got to shoot for more and this has to be like, I actually have to try for satire instead of just shooting a murder movie and then calling right. it satire later. And it is, it is the equivalent of the guys that I went to like film school with freshman year who made a film that yes. they thought was South Park level satire. Totally but instead is. it was just a short film about golf and how women weren't invited and how blacks couldn't be on the course and then afterwards the teacher was like we have to talk and they're like but it was satire I was like but you don't know what that is yet uh and you so you were just racist and sexist and you got it all wrong so 
So Yubibol gets Postal, uh, and Postal is a surreally pretty close to what it, like, it is It is nearly the best version of what it should be. It's still an atrocious film, but to give, to give it context, uh, almost out of nowhere, uh, like, the opening sequence of the film yep. is, a co- is a comedy bit about uh, the plane crashing into the Twin Towers, uh, and it's basically about the terrorists realizing that they're probably not going to get the virgins in the afterlife, so they decide, like, because they're talking to Osama bin Laden, and then they reach a point that they're like, I think he's kind of bullshitting about this. Uh, and so their response is to be like, let's not kill ourselves, let's just go land this plane. But in in the process, all the like 400-pound asshole Americans in the cockpit have decided to rush, uh, in, in the plane have decided to rush the cockpit, and they wind up being the cause of the yeah. plane crashing into the towers. And it is, it is perhaps an accidentally good like criticism of Americans and how we treat things and like how much shit we make for ourselves. And you're like, the first time I saw it, I was like, the fuck am I looking at? And then you sit down and, and actually work it out. And you're like, that's, that's maybe it's, it's not good, but it is, it is close to the point. So what follows out of that is a movie about a town where it's a bunch of poor white trash being taken advantage of, by uh, each other and by a cult leader played by Dave Foley. And I would recommend that if you haven't, uh, check out Dave Foley's uh, 20-minute divorce podcast story that he has about this. Basically, right before this movie shot, uh, him and his wife divorced. And in Canada, uh, a spouse uh, is automatically entitled to, like, everything in certain situations. And so Dave Foley from Kids in the Hall basically lost everything he had overnight to his wife via this divorce. And he was like, the fuck am I going to do? And that's when ambulance chaser UV bull shows up. and is like, I want you to be in this movie and then you'll have money to live on. And Dave Foley said, yes. So there's like a sequence in this movie where one of my comedy heroes, Dave Foley just shits on a toilet for like five, six minutes straight yeah. while you watch him from the side, just with his, Whole naked body, whole just shitting on a toilet. Yeah. You, his whole self out there, you and you're the just like, okay, well, you see, okay, so you, yeah. you do see the penis, but you you don't see the you um, don't see the poop. You 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 don't you don't, you don't see the mess. <laughs> Blessedly, the mess is not shown, <laughs> but it is heavily implied, Frank. <laughs> it is heavily implied. So it is, yeah, it is a wildly bad movie. But the the plot points of the movie aren't nearly as important as this idea of like. Nothing in in pop culture history, and I think more so than The Matrix, will ever imply this sort of edgelord level of thing. To to yes. to, to wit, um, a bunch of actual goddamn Nazis uh, made sort of their pseudo sequel to Postal uh, a couple of years ago, uh, and it is basically the same game. Uh, and both games include the option to after somebody has been shot. Uh, including pedestrians or whatever, you can like shove a gun in their mouth and execute them, make them beg for the life, women, children, uh, whoever. Like it is, it is wildly out of control how edgelord bullshit trench coat nonsense yeah. this is. And so, in talking about what you would do about a, a reboot here, the the ideas of of it are very simple. It is the idea that somebody is broken and somebody is doing what is probably a mass shooting. 
but the way that everyone else reacts to it or why it is happening can fluctuate wildly. Right. And if there was a way to fix this, uh, that would be very interesting to me. And it is, of course, at this moment that we should mention that uh, this episode will be released later because uh, we didn't want to have to reschedule again. But also we're a day or two after yet another mass shooting. And, and maybe we don't have to mention it because it doesn't matter. And like there is the... Uh, there's the BoJack Horseman sequence about uh, a movie studio trying to release a movie about a shooting right, uh, yeah. and how they just can't find a time for it, which I, I think harkens back to the fact that the Carrie reboot movie about all those kids being murdered in their in their prom. Uh, it's It was like three years of them setting dates and then like the week before each release date, there was some sort of school shooting. They're like, we'll push it back six months. Certainly there won't be a shooting in oh six months. Uh but it doesn't feel like we're trying to avoid that. It it feels like this is about leaning into it. And it's like, is there a way to talk about this bullshit in, in a way that that fixes it? Perhaps yeah, the idea is to just completely enables it like apparently Postal 2 has done with its sequel. Y- yes. And, you know, it it, it is it, it leans very hard into this idea in the. 2000s that like everyone thought they were doing satire and no one was doing satire they were just you know you're using and 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 that is actually what is happening now like the manifesto of the shooter from uh the Christchurch, new zealand thing uh his manifesto people like oh it's all jokes or it's all like it's irony poisoning or something it's like i i don't know what we're supposed to do with that like you can't at this point like once you've murdered 50 people it's not a funny bit anymore, bud. Like, I don't know, like, how anyone yeah, comes at this. And it's because we laid that gra- we, we laid the groundwork to be able to just call stuff nothing. Like, oh, don't take that seriously. But we've been not taking it seriously for 20, 30 years now. Right. And look where we are. So, <laughs> yeah. In, in when I watched Postal, to, or I guess it's just Postal, um, there I could tell there were those elements of, like, he's supposed to be making fun of something. Because, like... Prior to the <laughs> climax, like, there will be different incidents where somebody shoots up a place, like, a cop shoots an old Chinese woman who won't go at a green light, which is a whole other different set of racial stereotypes that we don't need to get into, but he just shoots her with a shotgun and then gets back in his car and nobody reacts or people cheer, or then the main character is waiting in line at a welfare office, and while the while everybody is getting shot up by another guy who is upset he had to wait, this guy is crawling around stealing the the line numbers out of people's hands who are dead because they have better numbers than him, and so it's just like you can. T- the- it, that that's another one that you're like, oh, it's uh, he he flew a little too close to the sun. He got so close right. to like a social commentary element there about you know. If you explain like that, this isn't the fault of this level of society, and this is actually rich people turning each other, uh, turning the poor against each other. Like, right. if you make it about a structural issue or a societal issue, sure. Instead, it just comes off as like the most taste looks fucking bullshit, and you're like, okay, well, you were you were so close, bud. You nearly yeah. got there. Uh, exactly. Um, so if if Dave Foley has, I, it sounds like he's got a legitimate excuse for why he accepted this movie. Do we know if J.K. Simmons has one? Because he's also in this movie. And uh, I just, the whole time I, I was watching it, I was like, how did J.K. get into this? <laughs> you don't have to know uh, that. It, oh, no, it, it is the it is the U.E. Bowl. Uh, it, it, it basically hits its peak uh, around uh, the film In the Name of the King. 
a dungeon siege tale because uh, he has legit Oscar winners in his films at that point uh, moving Jeez. forward. How did he? Do uh, this? And people are like, "How do you keep getting these people?" And I was like, uh, "You know, Sir Ben Kingsley, who is in that, is like, <laughs> oh well, they flew me to a beautiful European country for two weeks and paid me an incredible, an insane day rate for like four days of work, mm. and that's basically how they figured out. Like J.K. Simmons is basically shot in." one location he probably shot over the course of a day was paid more for that than he's paid for most movies sure why not <laughs> yeah that makes sense uh main character played by uh i don't remember the actor's name but i do recognize him as zach as, ward yeah okay zach ward i, I rec recognized him as the mean kid from a christmas story immediately based on his very uh rodent like eyes i was oh, like hey nice. i know that kid <laughs> uh which was weird um but okay so frank before we get into this frank do you have any questions since you have never seen this and you you opted um, out <laughs> i did i decided to be the the voice of the the voice of the people on this one do you and, want to know to what just, Vern troyer does in this movie just, first of all Vern troyer is in this movie <laughs> Again, okay, you're gonna have to tell me now. He's just pretty much just there <laughs> to swear a lot and be upset that he's there, and then uh, at the end he gets raped by a thousand monkeys. Oh, good. See, those are the like. <laughs> this is something I don't know. I don't know how the, common. The, like... the worst part of this is that if you were trying to just you trying to describe this to a person that hasn't seen this, oh yeah, is it's objectively funny. You sound insane. It's so yeah. funny. Yeah, you sound you you sound it, crazy to this, me. The the story beats might not be funny, but you sound funny because it sounds like you're making this up and that you suck. Like you're the worst person right, to ever yes, make it up a joke. Absolutely does. This is this the especially the, the things you described earlier too are um kind of a running problem with with satire. Well, I say that I don't think UA Bolton is necessarily going for satire, but whatever. But the problem is with things like that, where you're talking about how he seems like he's maybe kind of making a point, but he's making it wrong. Where like, yeah, he's people can talk about the points that he's making, but then in the theater, most of those people are just laughing because they like seeing people get blown with guns. That's the other thing. I am so genuinely confused at like who this movie was for because like on its at at first at it, on its face it seems like it's for like the hyper conservative gun obsessed like Republican mm -hmm. crowd, but then also they start making fun of George Bush and so it's like so wait, who like like who wanted this movie? Are you just spinning uh, wildly firing at everybody right, metaphorically yeah. and this, in the movie? This film got its uh Basically, its marketing budget and release budget were slashed the day before it was supposed to come out. But I, I believe in my heart who they thought this was going to get. And I and I can't fight this because I, I don't know what it would have been like had I seen it at this mm -hmm. point in my life, having just gotten to college or what have you. I think that they were going for the Super Troopers audience, like, oh, like kids yeah. that were just getting okay. to college, finding themselves a little bit via like having an edible who just wanted to watch the dumbest worst movie and then quote lines from it. And I do believe that there is an alt universe where this movie does have that sort of cult following. Uh, it just didn't get out there. <laughs> yeah. Or I can like, see that. like, like they thought they were going to be a comedy Tarantino. Yeah. Maybe with the violence. Like, so the, the interest. So um, what's weird 
Well, I don't know if it's weird, but um, so just to, to fill in a couple more gaps, Frank, this movie mm-hmm. um, features uh, Osama bin Laden is a character with his terrorist cell, Good. and they are trying – Osama bin Laden played by the soup Nazi from Seinfeld. Wow. Um, and he just has a regular – he's just like – he is Osama, but he's also like an actor. Like he's doing a bit every time he releases one of his cave videos they reveal. Okay. And he like regularly calls George Bush on the phone and asks him for help and stuff. And um, again, they... like, yeah, it's weird. okay. <laughs> so then... you're making you're saying something. Just get Maybe ready. It's just that I want you to have been saying something. No, just wait. Just you wait for the next part where. So um, the main character who's just he has no name. Eventually, he is referred to as the postal dude. He, uh, his uncle, who goes by Uncle Dave, who is Dave Foley, runs a cult, a religious cult, um, which is he, he like openly admits to his nephew that this is just a scam that he came up with to get very rich and have sex with beautiful women. Um, he writes his own Bible that is 100% bullshit, but his like, um, his assistant is like a devout believer and ends up betraying him later. But so the main, like, the main, if it can be called a plot of the film, (laughs) is that um, Uncle Dave hasn't been paying taxes for his cult. And instead of just, like, filing as a religion, he is concerned that he has to pay taxes. So the solution is um, there is a a very popular children's toy. And I guess this was either the time around Furbies or Tickle Me Elmo's. This was a thing when, like, very rare toys was still a thing, like Mm -hmm. fad toys. And so there's Post Beanie Babies, but there was still this. Yeah, I guess this was 1997, so Beanie Babies were probably still hot. But so there's this doll, or no, the the game was 1997. The movie was 2007, so I don't know what was hot in 2007. But there is a very famous doll called a crotchy doll, which is just a scrotum, uh, with a pull string, and it has Vern Troyer's voice, which is why he's in this movie. And uh, the the shipment of crotchy dolls has sank from china and so there's only one shipment that made it through and it is it somehow got to a theme park city called little germany that uva bowl mm. opened in this movie so that he could be in the, the movie. fictional uva bowl yeah um, in the movie no no the himself. actual the actual uva bowl yeah the oh, actual yeah. one but the fictionalized version no i think he's just being him um so the plan is for Uncle Dave and the main character to go and steal all the crotchy dolls because they sold they sell for a lot of money on eBay and then they'll be very rich. The terrorists and then, and then go on and then he can pay his taxes like a responsible citizen. Then is he can that, pay his taxes. That's what he wants to do is pay four? his taxes. Okay, that's it. Is that's also very... revealed that the terrorists want the crotchy dolls, but they don't tell you why until they finally get one. Also, throughout the movie, the terrorists are just, like, weirdly incompetent slapstick guys. There's also one who I'm okay. pretty sure is supposed to be, like, mentally disabled, and I don't really understand what they're going for with that guy. But they get a hold of some, and it turns out that all the crotchy dolls are somehow smuggling bird flu inside of them. Oh. And so the terrorists' plot is to bird flu. unleash bird flu, and then... Remember Bird Flu? I do remember Bird Flu. It's very 2007. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's revealed that Uncle Dave's assistant also wants to release the Bird Flu because he read in Uncle Dave's Bible that there will be a uh, a scourge, uh, an apocalypse that will wipe out everyone but the true believers. 
and um, that also a famous small actor will be raped by a thousand monkeys, which is why he kidnaps Vern Troyer and puts him in a locked room with a thousand oh, monkeys. He, he makes it happen. Yeah. So um, it was in the Bible. Vern Troyer had to be raped by monkeys. It was in yeah, the Bible. It was in it's, Uncle Dave's Bible. Yet again, like that's saying something. Something. <laughs> something. It, is it just like like are we trying to rationalize madness? Do we do we just want it very badly <laughs> are we, to mean are something? Are we already Stockholming really hard? <laughs> for for anyone for anyone that's still listening at this point. You can be rest assured that this movie only made one percent of its budget back. It was a <laughs> complete flop. Um, oh, so one of the biggest. One hundred fifty thousand dollars on a fifteen million dollar yeah. budget. Uh, there's a scene where <laughs> Uva Bull is talking about why he, uh, like, how he funded um, Little Germany but, with Nazi but before gold. Before we continue, this is still when Uva Bull was getting German tax credits before they closed the loophole. So him getting one percent back on that is not a failure because he got the other 99% and more from the government. He turned a profit on this. This That's what makes him the greatest supervillain of all time. This is why people love to and are entitled to hate him so much. We we could do a whole podcast just on him. So, Frank, he... um, this okay. This blew my mind. I'm sorry to go off on this other tangent, but I have to talk about this. He so as you can expect, Frank, he gets a lot of negative reviews on the internet. Mm-hmm. At one point, he chose five people who gave who wrote negative reviews about them and challenged them to boxing matches, and all of and them flew them out. Is this them. in real life? Or in in the real movie? life. In real life. No, in real life. All of them said yes and <laughs> fought him, and he beat all of them. <laughs> Oh, here's why. You None know, of them bothered to fucking Google him. He was a competitive professional boxer yeah, yeah. for like a so, decade and a half. You don't you don't challenge someone to a contest that you might lose. Like they that's... they all claim. Like so one guy was like, "I thought it was going to be a PR stunt. It wasn't. I thought he, he said we would get like trained. We didn't get trained. And I was like, you said yes to fight a guy because you said mean things about his movie. I don't think you get to have any more excuses." Mm. Then later, he wrote he wrote some like mean stuff about Michael Bay and um, I forget who like he just talked shit about big actors and big directors and challenged them to boxing matches and they were all like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> the last thing that happened to him was his Kickstarter failed for his most recent movie and then he uh, put out a YouTube video saying fuck everybody for not funding my movie and now he is a restaurateur. But people, oh, no, fought he's him. still making stuff. Like he keeps, he keeps bouncing back. No, no, it's all for show, and it's. I'm it's sure fun. it is. He also, he also follows me on Twitter now because he knows I'm writing the book, even though I'm not writing the movie part of the book Uh-oh. about him. So like, he'll say things to me about like pictures of my wife or something, Uh-oh. and I'm just like, that's fucking Oof. weird. But then like he, he, he also like posts these things that are like wild, crazy. Like, I, I'm gonna fuck up this celebrity or like anti-vaxxing is the right way to live but then every time i post a picture of certain cats of mine he'll write back with the most kind-hearted responses which is why i can't bear to think of like i i I don't understand it's like he just has a real sweet 
sweet spot for both my cats and the cats <laughs> in my neighborhood. Uh, he, he, he was participated in the Let Put an End campaign on, on my, oh my Twitter gosh. where there was just a cat in the neighborhood named Puddin that I wouldn't let in. And he just kept being like, Brock, you must <laughs> let the Puddin into your house. I was just like, I don't. Oh why is God. UV Bowl weighing in on this? It's so weird for me. So what, Frank, what I, I might be, uh, we might be drawing some attention from Uva Bull yeah. with this. Episode. So I, I've 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 read three things that I want to read. And this is from Wikipedia. <laughs> they have they they have sources attached. One, he apparently has an open boxing invitation out to Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. that he will fight him anytime, mm-hmm. which I find I find amazing. <laughs> um, I think we all want that, right? Yeah, like we, I would like no, to see Quentin Tarantino no get the this. shit beat out of him. Yes. So no, number yes. two, as part of a publicity stunt for Postal. Bull released a video claiming that he is the only genius in this entire business, going on to say, comma, quote, Posto will be way better than all that social critique George Clooney bullshit yes, you get every weekend. I did weekend. read that. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And what's so, the, the George thing? Clooney bullshit, I think we all know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ocean's, Ocean's Eleven was way too political. Way, way, way too political. And the, I, I, the, the he, third. He's always reacting to whatever happened, like, earlier that day, like, at breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, he saw a Clooney movie the night before and was like, that's the problem. <laughs> Is he Donald Trump? Possibly. I, I don't think that he, yeah. <laughs> also, he's a doctor, which we know, no one knows why he's a doctor. Dr. UV Bull, he just insists on that. Oh, a doctor um, of what? Do we know? Doctorate in literature. Oh. It didn't. It, it doesn't specify further. So not a not a medical doctor. A a a PhD doctor. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's your third thing, Frank? God. We got to start my, doing a reboot, fellas. Yeah. My third <laughs> thing is just something after after his after failed funding of his film Rampage Three on Kickstarter, Bull posted a video mm-hmm. on YouTube telling everyone to quote fuck yourself. Yep, he did that. He did that. He he was not happy that that movie that that failed. Uh, I feel well, like I he, think that movie is still happening. And Rampage is one of those that I was talking about earlier, where he's just like, what if? And, and it also stars Zach Ward, I believe. Ah, Zach, uh, in, what are you doing? In multiple. Well, you know, know. <laughs> Zach has also edited together uh, his own cut of, uh, I believe the the Star Wars prequels, the first three into one two hour cut. Like Zach Ward does a lot of interesting stuff, and I like. I thought Zach that was Ward. Topher Grace. Uh, they both have. Oh, I've heard, yeah, yeah I've, I've heard that more than once. So Zach Ward's like a cool guy. Zach Ward is a very cool guy. Uh, I like him. I interesting. I too wonder about his choices, but like he winds up here, so I'm like, you know, there's there's nothing about UV Bowl that isn't that is not not interesting. Let's agree on yeah, that. There's right. There's yes. something there, and you've got it. You you can't just ignore it. You can't just let it sit. You have to be like, I actually I I do need answers on some of this. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, let's let's get into this and start like trying to find a a, a movie. So first, of all, are we rebooting the movie, or are we rebooting like are we doing like a completely new movie based on the video game where you can pee on people? Because in the <laughs> video game, you can pee on people, and nobody pees on anybody in this movie. Oh, also, I did want to point out like it's interesting to me. So the game, obviously, it's called Postal. It implies, like you said, Brock, this whole like anybody's just one bad day away from snapping. I guess whoever right. made this, somebody, somebody read the Killing Joke and thought that that was you know, like most weird edge lord white guys, the Killing Joke is their bible. Just the idea that one bad day can make anybody snap. Who, wait, who could misinterpret? the works of Alan Moore to make it seem like they think <laughs> that murdering people is a good, cool idea. Right. Um, but so 
the our main character, the postal dude, in this movie, the only reason he starts shooting people up is because he has now been imprisoned by this cult who just killed his uncle. Like at this point in the movie, it is not about this guy who has just gone crazy. He actually like has kind of a reason to try to live and at least like get out of the situation. And then at the end, there's this big tr shootout in a trailer park where he gets everybody to stop shooting. And even like he makes this impassioned speech saying like, what if we all put down our guns and just hugged each other because the guns, these having all these guns is a huge problem. And then everyone says, no, fuck this, let's shoot him. And, and then it falls flat. But there's that super weird moment where it's like they came so close to like, Oh, are they actually going to have a commentary on the? Oh, never mind. <laughs> well, I think like, they did. I think that is the commentary. I guess that's true. Yeah, because then everyone's like, "No, fuck you," and then they all shoot him, and then he kills all of them. Um, right. So, what? What do we? What do we? What do we want to do here? Let's. Should we talk? <laughs> is there even? Our our first segment is supposed to be talking about what we like and what we want to get rid of. Do we even have a first segment of this show for this episode? Yeah, I think we <laughs> I, I think we play a different song and we just say that we're doing this under duress. Our our own <laughs> oh my duress. God. <laughs> oh my god, I love that so much. What song should we play, Frank? Oh, I don't know. Is is are we now changing we, the we, narrative? We might need to call we might need to call 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 Terrence in to consult for some some good emo. <laughs> Some good emo. <laughs> Brock's pretty good at the emo. Are we changing the narrative of this podcast so that we are specifically being held under duress by Uva Bowl to make a better movie? Uh, welcome to welcome to Rebull Leggers. <laughs> yes, and that's the title of the episode. Rebull Leggers. Oh my god, we could just do a whole series of episodes about Uva Bowl movies. We could, but we. I think needn't. this is going to be a specify though. that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we needn't. <laughs> Okay. Here, I mean, here's the thing. If we are doing this one, we are doing most of them already. That's true. Like, there's... Okay. Mm -hmm. So we are now doing this under duress to do what, Frank? What are we doing to this? Oh, what is our... Are we trying... <laughs> Frank, so here's the thing. I'm Frank, the you audience. got real quiet there, bud. <laughs> do I... <laughs> do, we... do we want to fix it <laughs> i think we want to fix it what I, I liked so brock when you originally emailed us about this one it was a little scary because we've never tried to make a statement in any of our episodes ever really i mean we have but the the idea of can we address this like toxic edgelord masculinity bullshit in a way that actually like asks to fix it i think that could be like you said a very meaningful thing to do with this podcast we make i just don't know right. how to get there because do we want to do like okay so we either fix the movie right mm -hmm. or we we kind of uh put a layer of glass over it and we make a kind of idiocracy where a normal person is thrust into this world where everybody likes the movie Postal. where Or it could, <laughs> a normal person is put into the world of Postal where everyone is getting shot up and no one mm -hmm. but him is like, recognizing... Like the Frank Grimes episode of The Simpsons. Yes. No one but him <laughs> is recognizing, holy shit, why are you all murdering each other? This is horrible. And they're all like, it's just Tuesday. <laughs> I like the 
I, I like that we're on the near ver- we're on the verge of like what if we drop somebody into our actual world right now where yeah. there's just constant shooting right. and they don't know that you can't just stop that right like, yeah. hey guys what if we why did that? just stop I it I kind of like that where it's just like hey it's 2019 in America and there's another school shooting and only this one person is wondering why this is still happening it is it is basically that movie that's coming out about like what if the Beatles never happened but one guy remembered the Beatles it's that but with shootings yeah exactly okay so what's so let's let's just jump straight to our our setting and and i think we got what's our genre we've got our setting which is it's 2019 america people are getting shot up consistently and it's only and it obviously has to be specifically america because as we've seen from this latest shooting in christchurch new zealand it took one shooting in another country for that country to be like okay those guns are banned so like other places clearly have have a hand like they have more of a handle on this than America does. So I mean it, it has to be said here, right? Right. So what what's our are we what's the is there a genre <laughs> that we can put in this movie in? Is this like is this like a mockumentary now? Oh, is it? Oh, interesting. Let's could you expand on that, Frank? Are we are we making a not murderer? <laughs> making a not. Oh murderer. my god. <laughs> what? Okay, so I don't think this is what you meant. So, making a murderer is a documentary about a a, a boy who who was framed for murder. Correct. Yes. Yes. So except Frank, I, I also except everyone's pretty sure he did do it. I believe. Right. I thought everyone's pretty sure he, he did was. Not. He was framed, but very likely guilty, wasn't that? No, his his uncle is pretty clearly the murderer, but oh, okay. he has also okay. been implicated in it, and that's probably not how this should have gone. Yeah, so if we're going in that direction, how to make a not-murderer, Frank, is it now a crime to not shoot someone in our world, and he did there shoot someone? He shot someone, and it's and he's being framed for not doing a murder. Oh my god! Okay, because that could do that. I think I know we're not supposed to ever address this, but that could be something. That's not something we concern ourselves. Wait, what you're about. not supposed to address is when something could work. <laughs> on this, sh- I guess on this show, we're not supposed to ask, "Is that anything?" I guess I'm allowed to say, <laughs> "I think that's something." Yes, I think that's something too. That that could be good. So Frank. Do, did, you wanna, let's, let's, did you want to did you want to take that anywhere else on your own? Let's walk forward <laughs> hand in hand. <laughs> we all have to move at the same speed here or we don't move at all. Yeah. Okay, so is is it so first of all, so it's now a mockumentary. I like this. So it's going to be I mean it's going to be a little satirical, I think, but also like it's about people who murder people. Okay, so I guess I, I think we've got the setting and genre. Are, are there people we want to cast in this? Is this something we would want to do to people? I, this so this I don't so, think this falls so far outside of our normal yeah. format. I don't know. How Unless to we think of segment. something hilarious, I don't want to implicate any real world individuals. I don't think. Brock, would you like to star in this movie as the man who didn't do a killing? I would like to star, but I'd like to be credited as Chris Pratt. Okay, I can. We can do that. We can do Chris Pratt with like one T or two T's, but it's, like it's it's Chris, Chris, Chris. Christ Pratt, Christ, Christ Pratt. Pratt. I think it's Crisp Rat. 
Okay, so so Brock is our is our our sad sap who did not do a murder, but he should have. It turns out. Like what if what if it's a blundered like a it's a robbery at like a gas station and like somebody else just beat me to it and I was like, but I was I was supposed to. Oh no. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. What? Yeah. So what? So you were supposed to do the robbery or you were supposed to shoot the robber because I think. That is such a bullshit common oh, narrative. Good. There we are. It's such a bullshit common narrative right now. Every time there's a shooting, there's some collection of just fucking assholes who are like, I would have run towards the shooting. Or all those people who say, you know, the solution is to arm teachers. So it was your crime that you saw a crime happening this, and this you movie didn't isn't even kill called the guy. anymore. It's called a good guy with a gun. <laughs> yes. Oh, 100%. Good guy with a gun. Postal colon. Good guy with a gun. <laughs> Which I ostensibly it is. We've postal is yes probably yes. <laughs> so you the crime here is that Chris Pratt did not he he <laughs> saw a crime happening and he did not pull out his concealed carry gun and murder a person. Sorry, did you say concealed? That's not the world we're creating. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, his open carry weapon. Yeah, <laughs> his open carry that he does not need a license for. Yeah, he does not need it. Well, I want to. I guess we should be careful because I. I don't want to. I don't want to like stray into just mocking libertarians. <laughs> Why, Why not? not? <laughs> okay. It was uh. nice that we said that in unison. That makes me feel better. <laughs> Walk hand in hand through this episode. It's the only way we can do it. Take our hands, Frank. Okay, so because I mean, so let's let's <laughs> let, let, let me let me let me let me be clear. So there's a robbery. Mm-hmm. Our main yes. character. Our main character has the chance to shoot to kill mm-hmm. and he doesn't do he, it he he shoots but doesn't kill or somebody else beats him to it i think and it's I think like a reverse samaritan I think, law i think he just doesn't do anything i don't even think anybody beats him to it because i think the problem is that the guy doing the crime gets away which is in this world if you but the don't police come for our main character not the police the come for the main character because security cameras caught him with a gun, he's clearly open carrying a gun, and he does not draw it and kill the criminal. Okay. Oh, I do enjoy the Samaritan law reversal thing here. Yes, that mm-hmm. that's very interesting. To yes, me. it's your, it's your responsibility to deal with this, and you didn't. Right, you did right. not murder this man. Like it's a it's a very uh, Starship Troopers level of citizenship mm-hmm. requirement. Yes. <laughs> That's very good. Okay. And so I think we know we know that we're firmly dealing in the realm of satire and everyone should be able to see it and there can be no mistakes on that. So that's good for me. <laughs> for some reason, it just popped into my head where we could have like a weird fugitive-esque scene where he says, I did kill that guy and the guy chasing him says, I don't care. I don't know. I don't think that's anything. But for some reason, that dumb joke popped in my head. It's not the worst. <laughs> But in this sequence, it would be like, I I killed the guy. It's like, no, you didn't, because I am that guy. (laughs) Oh. He is a cop. He's a cop? The guy robbing the gay station was a cop. He he was Tommy Lee Jones. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the cops cops do come for him. So is this now just like a thrilling legal drama? Like, uh, or is it like, is it going to be like an action satire where he does escape? And now because of this reverse Samaritan law, because he is a known criminal, the entire population of the United States is obligated mm-hmm. by law to kill him if they see him. It, th- that is very oh. interesting to me. And my other idea is that like either either that situation creates a situation where 
we have created the actual postal reboot here under a satire situation where he has to just keep killing people against his will in order to stay alive because of the law? Or is it more interesting if he continues to stick by his metaphorical guns uh, and, and he not met, kill he ha- everyone is trying to kill him, but he has to try to go the entire movie without killing anybody oh. else. Like to, if you were going to reboot Postal and try to fix the problem of it, maybe that one's more interesting. But also the the look I saw on the face of a guy that is a mass killer who, who doesn't want hates be. being in that situation is perhaps what this was what this game and movie were trying to do from the start and just had no ability to do so i kind of like that because so he originally got into this situation because of this weird reverse samaritan law and now he's forced to continue killing to stay alive because of a reverse stand your ground law where if you feel threatened you are required to shoot back otherwise you will get arrested so now he is under threat by all these people and he is obligated by law to shoot them Otherwise, they will kill him because if you don't pull if you don't draw your gun when someone threatens you, then you're not an American and you get deported or convicted or whatever. Yes. So so he is just so unhappy with with his with having to do this, just constantly just be shooting people. I think I would. Uh, I I wanted so there's a scene there's a scene Frank in in the original Postal movie where. Everyone starts shooting each other at um, at Little Germany, and it's just this montage of children getting shot and falling down in weird comedic mm. ways. I kind of don't want to do that in this movie. No. I kind of had uh, what the uh, the big bad in that sequence that uh, UV Bull is shooting and who eventually shoots his dick off is oh, yeah, actually yeah, yeah. Desi, the guy who created Postal. The guy who created uh, being Postal. In the movie. Yeah, oh, uh, he... but yeah, they they all talked about uh, when when we interviewed them, uh, which. I, I went to spend a night with the postal creators at their house in Arizona. Oh, man. Uh, and it was, it is, it is a majority of my book. It is just because like on the drive down, I was listening, they, they do a podcast now. Cause of course they do. Yeah. Uh, and on the way down, I was guys. listening to their they podcast, podcast and they were, it, it was it's this long rules. tirade about how like trans people aren't people. And then oh, about how no. everyone in Hollywood is like part of a pedophile sex ring. And oh, I, good. that was the first five minutes of this episode. And I, I turned it off and I called my wife and I was like, hey, I'm still heading to Arizona. She's like, you left like 30 minutes ago. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, I got to ask again, what are you hoping to get from this? And I was like, I really, I really don't know. And and to be fair, like their stories were interesting. And I saw like a lot of stuff about somebody who went the wrong way. For example, Desi, the guy that created this uh, on, on the walls of his house, he has medals and plaques that were given to him by Barbara Bush for creating educational software because oh his company God. basically made Sesame Street games. They were the first to make oh. like all these PBS inter- educational games. And he just got so fucking tired of, of making Big Bird teaches typing that he he took a couple of people and he's like, I want to make a game where I just do the opposite of this. And that's where Postal came from. And I was like, okay, that's an origin that's story I get. Yeah. You just like fucking hated your day job, even though you were like, meeting with the president and his yeah. wife so you could get awards for this stuff and then you become this uh but anyway they they both talked about there is this sequence where it's just a bunch of children mowed down uh and they were there that day on this on the set and they were standing with the parents of the kids that were the actors oh my god uh, who didn't fully understand what they'd signed up for 
Uh, and then it became sort of having to restrain them from rushing the set because they they were not expecting to see their kids massacred in such a way. And apparently Yubi Bowl was like sitting at like the monitor and just sort of like cackling and no yeah, one else was right. making any sounds. And they went up afterwards and like, what the fuck was that? And he was like, look at how funny it is. And like not a single person on the crew, no one involved it. No one was like, that's funny. And actively said to him, like, that's not funny. No part of that is funny. He's like, well, you fuckers don't get it. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, well that more so than anything, like there's the nine 11 sequence at the beginning that is that after enough time becomes like annoyingly like South Parky South Parky. It's, it's clever, but it's not that clever, but you're still like, Okay, that's better yeah, than the rest of this. Like, and then I there's get this what scene kind that you may be saying. I yeah. see why you think it's funny. Yeah. And and I've tried to play the the mental gymnastics on this one too where I am like is it is it is there any part of it that can be funny that a bunch of kids are massacred with a gun in this movie about how it, it is it is a pretty good movie about how fucked America is when you take a step back. It's yeah. it's it is made by a foreigner and it is about our problems and like how he doesn't have to participate in them unless he chooses to. Like there are there there are readings of this that are interesting, but there is no fucking interesting reading of this scene. It's just cinematic nope. cruelty in yep. the middle of what is supposed to be a slapstick film and the fact that it is played for slapstick laughs by him and only him makes it so much fucking worse. It is this yeah. gigantic anchor where the rest of this, you can be like, this is one of the worst films I've ever seen, but at least it's, it's pretty light. Like it right. doesn't like, there's no emotional weight to anything. Yes. And then this happens and you're like, you're an actual criminal who should go to the Hague for what you have chosen to show me here. Yep. Uh, it is so fucked up. <laughs> yep. It's so fucked up. And then they, they it's immediately followed with, uh, a, a, a remote news anchor, Frank, who has now pulled all the children's bodies and arranged them specifically so she can stand in the middle of them and pretend to cry about them on camera. Like it is. Oh boy. It is bleak and dismal. That, oh boy. Uh, the, the, that part. The scene is, where they feels that part feels real. That feels like what yes. our news media does. That one. Yes. It, it is so. That is the weird twist at the end. Is like if that was all to build to that. If you cut the scene where the children are killed and right. then you just, just showed show a news anchor trying yes. to pile bodies up to show like how important she is and how her feelings matter more than the dead children. Shit. It's it's really close to saying something once right. it, every time here. It's just Icarus and, and, and flying right. too close. And then you're like, eh, it doesn't get all the way. If right. he touched the sun. There'd be something to celebrate here, and there isn't. <laughs> it's also that scene where they introduce the guy who created Postal is really, he just, so he's he's wearing a crotchy mascot suit, Frank, and all he does, he takes off the, the head, and he just goes, Uva, what have you done to my to my video game Postal? And then it freeze frames, and it writes underneath him his name, and says, creator of the game Postal. Like, it is just a slap in the face, oh like, hey, God. this is the guy who did it. It, it, it reads like, um, and very much was, hey, this was in the contract. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think um I think for our movie it's the 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 way I want to go is just every child looks like a miniature guy from the Hurt Locker. Just every guy every child is oh, just wow. dressed up in these in these just huge body suits. Like all right, get on the school bus, honey. Right. And everybody just, just looks like, like this oh. tiny Hurt Locker person. Oh, that's so good. Just the, like in the back the point that like we've whenever. normalized everything. It's very yeah. RoboCop, which right, I like. Exactly. Like we've, every kid has a full body. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, because like um, like when you go outside, you take a hat, whatever. Like when you go when you go to school, you take your body armor. 
I would say for the point of, uh, I guess I still don't want to do this because I don't want to be showing kids like shooting and getting murdered. I think I like better if it's just like, like in, in the movie, in the background, it's just whenever there's a kid, it's just like, wait, no. Yeah. I still, I want to do the little hurt locker thing. I was going to say, except maybe now, like once they turn 13, they can have guns because that's where, uh, that's where like they want it to, that's where like the NRA wants it to be at where there's a certain point where kids can have guns um like getting pissed that oh, i i think the best part of this movie would be like the idea is that these kids are uh you know trained in guns from like five six seven like you know they've got yes not okay. full-on guns but they train up so like the the best scene in this movie so far that i can imagine is that somebody that we don't like some sort of bad guy walks into a grade school and a grade school or a high school has actually become the most dangerous place for a bad guy in yes. the entire country okay. because every fucking kid has a gun and is great at it. And he's just like Swiss cheesed like so quickly. Yep, like, I can see that. Yeah. Kids, kids taking back guns. That's a level of satire that I can work with here. I love yeah. that. I do love that as well. I think, okay. So I think all the kids are still all like fully decked out in body armor. There could just be like, there could be a scene where the guy like kicks open a classroom door and then, 30 kids just pull out guns and light him up and then right so we're, we're going for kind of an, an anticlimactic end right so he's <laughs> he's desperate he's he's out he's out of bullets completely um runs runs into a school to hide and then it's just executed. that's great oh okay you're saying it happens to the main guy okay i do like that i was thinking it could just be like happening to some random guy in like an establishing oh, shot okay. of a movie yeah i want it to happen to a bad guy i don't want the kids to kill our hero that yeah seems i shame. think it happens i think uh, it's like the first shot of the movie we're establishing like oh fuck this is another school shooting he kicks open the door and then all the children oh, just God, destroy that, him i hate how much that sucks and how much i love it because that means it's and done then something a, a, right. a teacher just picks the wall up off the phone and says like yeah uh, uh, one more yeah hey we got it we got some we got another one just come or just like she just picks up she just like hey can you send can you send the janitor and then she goes back to clean up on aisle nine yeah she and then she just goes back to teaching like spelling or whatever like whatever grade we decide these kids are she goes back to like their i do genuinely idea i love the idea of like a a postal reboot movie that opens with a guy with an ak-47 walking into a grade school and you do think like fuck what is this well, fuck right you think fuck, fuck please don't make me watch this right and then it's just him getting fucking annihilated by children because that's the country that we have evolved right. into in and you're still thinking that seems aware you're still thinking fuck did i what did i just yeah watch oh but God. like okay yeah. i didn't watch what i thought was gonna be the thing i thought was coming is worse than what i just saw the relief you would feel <laughs> the relief you like would the, feel the, from the that relief shooting. you would feel you'd be like oh my god it's he's okay yeah exactly Ooh. you you still you still you feel this weird amount of relief of okay i did not see what i thought was coming but then you also still have that what the fuck did i just see like what is going on and i do love the thrust that we've come up with here as a good shorthand for what we're doing in the entirety of this which is simply what if the NRA got everything that they wanted? Yes, like, what exactly. What if that is the thrust for this movie? Right. Okay. So we need to. So back to the quote unquote present of our movie. Our our hero is he's fleeing from the town, but he is he's being required to he against his will he has to murder people to do literally anything he wants, uh, because otherwise they will kill him. How do we how do we get him down from this tree that we have lit on fire? Where's where are we going from here with this movie? I'm invi- I'm in, I'm 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 uh, I'm inviting the two of you 
You're actually asking. I'm actually asking I'm you. Asking I'm now. I, we've come to a fork in the road with our hands held, and I don't know which fork to take. <laughs> but I also don't know what the fork, what what each, like I have no idea where we're going from here. Is there? Do we need to have like a a a B plot like police officer narrative? Is there someone who's trying to change the laws? Does that happen? Like, do we? What what happens to our hero to get him out of this this terrible mess or like is it just is it just he is allowed to keep living his life as long as he adheres by these rules so like they're Does like he meet i kind of like well I, I don't know if we want to get like depressing with it i guess but well it, it would be less depressing than i think it's too late for that <laughs> <laughs> but so like what if his initial making the news for not killing spurned a like a job uprising of like peaceful protest people who are then horrified to learn that he basically killed his way across the U.S. to find them. Oh, so they were all like, hell yeah, somebody who didn't kill, and yeah. he's trying to get to them, and then he gets them, and they're like, no? Yeah. Okay. Maybe. That sound that could be... <laughs> um, I, I don't hate that. I do, I, just... I do like the idea of it starting a natural a national like conversation, because it's what we've done here is that we've created the the mm-hmm. reverse of what's happening now they're showing his need... report cards on cnn and talking about yeah yeah, yeah. whatever you, it it takes somebody to start the movement to change this thing and that's what we're doing now in the in the same direction but like we're not up against the same hill if if we can show that one guy not murdering somebody uh could reverse gun legislation yeah. in this weird nra future then it makes the stakes of right now seem a lot more accomplishable uh which yeah. is a weirdly positive like message that i think would be worth sending so i guess maybe the the climax of this film is him finally not murder like him once again choosing to not murder someone like he tried to do it by the rules that he was told after he got in trouble for not murdering someone and he ultimately decides like i can't keep murdering people is that how we end the movie? I think too in this there's like it, there's there can be a scene that's basically like how, you know, there's there's stupid there's car chase scenes on on the news where it's just like a helicopter and we're watching police chase a car, but now it's a helicopter watching a guy just run through shooting people and the the uh the news commentators are talking about it like it's just a boring car chase. Um but so, like, is is that I I like what you you said, Brock, where it's showing a a person making a difference by not murdering in a world where it is the NRA's paradise. That makes right. that, can, that can make our world seem a lot like the the world we want a lot more achievable. Um, right. So I I kind of like that being now. Does he does he get to survive? choosing not to murder someone or does he die but then his death becomes like the beginning of that movement to hey let's stop murdering constantly what what works better is my question to both of you hmm hmm, hmm. look so we're rebooting postal well let's step back yeah, to that postal is, talk is the idea yeah. of like one day a guy can be pushed too far if the if the thrust here is that we've applied everything nationwide then one day it is a country that is pushed too far. And, and maybe it takes, it is this guy in this movement that like everyone just takes a step back and like looks at their children in full body armor yeah, and looks at like the structure of things. And it's just, I would love to see a movie that the, the big like 
recognizing moment at the end for everybody was everyone just being quiet for like five minutes and just sort of looking around and being like, the fuck just happened? Yeah, and I know it happens slowly <laughs> and over a series of decades, but what are we doing? Right. Yeah, uh, I like and then that everyone lot, just yeah. starts working back from there. I like that a lot. <laughs> I do. And I specifically want it to be that exact. Like, the mm-hmm. fuck just happened? That'll be that'll be uh, <laughs> that'll be perfect. Okay, and then um, a ser- the the NRA gets defunded, and um, then we get the world we actually want. Right. And then is that the end of the movie? Are we? De- did we finish this? I'm always caught off guard when we finish a reboot. <laughs> yeah. Right. I was I like, oh, did we end? The it? end. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, <laughs> Frank, do you have any final thoughts for this movie? I know I like to ask you for your I final guess thoughts. Not. <laughs> weird. Uh, weird how weird. we really blew through all the murder shooting content. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think we're gonna end it there. Then this was a certainly a different episode. Every episode with Brock is a different episode, and I think always for the better. Um, but this this one is also a different episode in many other ways. Also for the better. I think. I think it is. Uh, important for us to have these discussions not in the like we can still I don't want I'm not going to try to preach on this I think we just let this stay the way it was um, I, I, I will I, I think I, I mean it's where I have to live in in having written a book now about it sure yeah yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. is that uh, in talking to these guys about their intentions they're like you know this was just the first game which is dark and heartless they were like it's supposed to be funny, and just no one got that. And yeah. and the number of times I had to ask them over various glasses of whiskey, like, but why would anyone get that? And what was right. supposed to be funny mm-hmm. right. uh, is uh, is a difficult conversation. And and it is, I, I admit, it is very difficult to explain comedy, but it is also that, like, um, they did a remaster of the game in, like, 2011, mm. uh, and the remaster of the first Postal... Uh, which is a much more fun game all around because uh, in the first game it it is a clunky hard difficult thing and and yeah. the, the remake is is at least sort of arcadey and fun but the final level in that game you're not shooting up a school you walk into a church uh sort of and then you dig your own grave and then you die in it hmm. uh which is an idea i don't know where it goes but it's <laughs> yeah. not forcing the player to shoot up a grade school, which makes me think that the grade school was never a joke, but there is uh, a reflection in the success of that game uh, and, and all the things that other games that it has given birth to and future sequels and movies and stuff that is like, uh, it is, I think deliberately supposed to be a satire of mass shooting culture, but no one takes it that way. Right. Uh, and if no one takes your joke as satire, mm-hmm. then it's not satire. Right. And what it has to say about the rest, like, I don't know anyone that plays uh, Postal 3 as a fun spoof on, on on shooting or why anyone would play a spoof game on gun culture for fun. That's just not what it is. Right. Uh, so the reflection it gives us, a, I think, is very interesting and is worth looking at. And also... When this book was announced as part of the Boss Fight book series, the number of people, including people that I think have known me for years who were like, fuck you, you can't write a book about that. And to the point that our editor had to go to uh, to Twitter and be like, hey, uh, did you know that bad art deserves criticism, too? And that if we don't criticize uh, bad art, 
we don't avoid its mistakes and stuff. And like, I know everything else we've published has been like, this is, this is a book about growing up playing this game with my dad and us learning to love each other and stuff. And like, here's me writing a book about a game that I did not play before starting the book and do not enjoy. Uh, (laughs) There is, there is a lot about it that I feel like my final chapter is almost apologetic where I'm like, I I hope I condemned everything enough uh, while also pointing out the ideas I found interesting. Uh, but it is it still sucks. Let's yeah. agree that it sucks. Right. And that, yeah, exactly. The, the fact that it exists sucks, but also its success is the part that sucks the most. It, it isn't the most successful game, but the fact that it still has like a huge following and like mm-hmm. deserves its creators having a podcast to talk about their political opinions in, in 2019. Like there's so much that's that's so weird. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's not on a couple of guys from Arizona and it's not on me. It's, it's on us. And so, uh, as the, the further that we dip into, especially in light of the recent, uh, shooting, uh, the more that gamer culture informs this sort of thing, the more that I, I think it's bleeding into something that is very much about, uh, for example, in this shooting, it was live streamed and, uh, a YouTuber's subscriptions were referenced and things like that. Yep. We've reached the point that we are, we are in an era of internet shootings for the internet, mm-hmm. uh, and media shootings based on forms of the media. And so, uh, I, I also fully defend the idea that we did this reboot today. I know it's so goddamn weird and so much less fun than any episode that we would have, but I think the thing that we came up with, uh is actually like shockingly, annoyingly good and speaks to what I think all three of us wanted to have to say here today. Uh, this was a really good episode and I really appreciate you guys having me on and for treating it the way that you treated it. I know we were about to bail on it because we're like, we can't make a funny joke movie about this thing. And and we we really didn't. We actually made a satire about it that yeah. I, th- I think would be worth watching. So, <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, so when, when is this book out? When, where can people get it and when? Cause I, especially the part, like I was always going to probably going to read it, but then specifically when you brought up how you had to go meet those guys and interview them, I was like, oh shit, now I really want to read this. So when's that happening? It is the worst sleepover of all time. Uh, <laughs> you can buy the book. Uh, you can pre-order it on Amazon for it right now for like 14 bucks. So whenever it comes out, it'll get there. It should be like a month or two out probably. Cool. Uh, but you can also go to bossfightbooks.com. Uh, and there you can buy bundles that are like, here. The, we'll, we'll mail you the physical book, but also like the e-reader version of it or the PDF mm. or whatever will come your way, which I've, I've bought that for a lot of other boss fight books because like I'll, I'll hit a section where I'm like, I want to send these three paragraphs to somebody and then I'm on the couch trying to take a picture of it with my phone and it doesn't really work. So <laughs> I don't know. That's a couple of months out here and, and um, me and Nathan are, are both really proud of it. And and it is certainly the only book to be split into talking about both a movie and a game and, and neither of the authors writing about it. Uh, enjoy it. So that's uh, yeah, that it's going to really be an odd book in the series. No one else will ever do this for many reasons. So. <laughs> Amazon says it comes out uh, next week. So that, that'll be interesting to see. It does not. <laughs> Great. Good to know. Um all right, well, um, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. That's going to do it for our episode. If you like the show, you can uh, follow us. Nope, not follow us. You can follow us on Twitter if you want. We do have a Twitter, at Rebootleggers. Um, but please give us a good rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out so much. And tell your friends about the show. Uh, Brock, thank you so much again for coming on. We always love to have you. I do think, like you said, 
uh, I think we made something very unique here. Um, I hope I'm not just sounding like some asshole white guy who thinks that his opinions are amazing, but um, we just so rarely do episodes of substance. It's an opinion on asshole white guys, so I think that we're right. We we can we're the we're supposed to fix our own. Fair this enough. isn't on any other group to fix. I promise. Fair enough. I agree, one hundred percent. That's on us. So we don't. I feel like this is a this is an exciting thing to do an episode of, uh, some some more weight every once in a while. Um, Brock, where can people find your other work uh, aside from this book? Uh, I'm at Brock Wilbur on Twitter, uh, BrockWilbur.com, and then uh, just search my name on iTunes. I have a whole bunch of podcasts, one about emo music, one that's a positivity uh, darkness podcast, one about board games, one about Star Wars, and I have one with my wife that's just about politics in Missouri. So, Fuck yeah. Um, are you taking requests to shut down any more cults at this point in your life? I, I am taking requests in that people will send me long emails in the middle of the night about something that their nephew is involved in. Oh, and uh, I'm, you know, that weird guilt that you have from a stranger that you're not doing enough yet. Uh, so kind of, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry I brought that up. That sounds rough. Um, well, see you next time, guys. <laughs> Thank we'll we'll so do much. the sacrament together and really make each other miserable. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next time, I'm Scott Owen. I'm Frank Sarah. And Brock, can you give our users, our listeners, a password so they can get in next week? Uh, reload. Mm, pretty good. <laughs>